Hello, everyone, and welcome to the La Rouge Rugby Podcast. I'm Stu Hardy, and I'm joined, as always, by Derek Brissett. Derek, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. It sounds uh, sounds a little weird not hearing Dan do that, but uh, no, I guess uh, I guess this is this is it, man. This is welcome to the uh, the post Dan era. Yeah, this is the future now, I'm afraid. But, but uh, I, I, like, is this? Is this tryouts right now? Like, are we doing? Do do I get to do the intro next week, and we kind of get to see which who's who's better? Or is this? Yeah, we'll, how, we'll how do we a Facebook poll or something like Facebook that. Facebook we'll yeah. see, see how the viewers uh, who they want to go with in the long term. But of course, if you are a fan of Dan, he's gone only temporarily. We are saying that he will be back for a few guest appearances. He obviously has um, other responsibilities at the moment. Uh, his D and D campaign mainly, and yeah. also, and also that thing about his wife being pregnant. I don't know. Well, but anyway, I think in all honesty, it probably has more to do with the D and D campaign. Yeah, but you don't say uh, that out loud. It, yeah, Come exactly. On. It's it's tough. It's tough to do some adventuring when uh, you got to worry about recording a rugby podcast, right? So, oh please, Frank, this is a curling Frank podcast is, disguised yeah. as a rugby podcast. Yeah, you know what? You know what's great? What is kind of great about this? We don't have to talk about curling ever again. We don't have, we will, but we don't yeah, have we, to. I mean, we probably will. Yeah, we don't have, I suppose we never had to, to begin with. Why would we talk about curling? Except, to, like, I don't know. Do you watch curling to bring it up ever? I don't, but I know that Dan is a fan of it. And, uh, you know, next time we can do a bit of research on curling. And next time Dan's on as a guest, we'll uh, be able to bring it up and appear knowledgeable about the fact. What, yeah. What's, uh, what's, uh, what are other sports that you're into? What what other sports can we like shoehorn into this podcast now that Dan's gone? We uh, well, you know, we can always bring up Formula One, which um... Formula One. Okay, okay. I've I've seen I've seen a season of Drive to Survive. Does that get me by on enough Formula? Yeah, one? I think if you watch the latest season, you'll be okay. No, I've said I've seen one season, not the latest season. I've seen. Well, one. that's your research that you have to do yeah. for the next week. Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. Lewis Hamilton is still good, yet nobody likes him. Is that? Uh, he's so good, and I think he does have a great uh, following, especially in the United States. He's oh, uh, got a big. I thought nobody there. liked him for some reason. Well, it's like when it's like winning all the time, you just get bored of whoever's on top. Oh, he's regardless. Tom Brady. He's Tom. Bra- he's a Tom Brady. He's Tom a John Brady. Cena of Formula One. He's a oh. uh, you know unstoppable, great driver, but you know Lewis. So, to, but to beat John Cena of Formula One, does that mean like Lewis Hamilton is showing up in like DC movies soon? Well, I can't guarantee anything, but uh, Speed you know. Racer. You should play Speed Racer. Live uh, action Speed Racer. I think they did that again. One. We're doing anything but rugby. On yeah, the exactly. Oh, there we go. Right. We've got Dan a lot did of help keep us on track. Yeah. Okay. It speaking of keeping on track, out of 10, but he did help keep us on track. Okay. Speaking of keeping on track, we have a lot of news to cover. We have um, some news coming from MLR. We have um, big news coming out of. BC in uh, two, both internationally and domestically, but we're going to start off in Toronto and we have some good news for all the Arrows fans out there. If you have been missing jonesing even to see your team play in uh, Toronto again, your wait is coming to an end because the Arrows have announced that on October the 16th at York Lions Stadium, they will be hosting the Rugby Rally. This will be a um, Arrows 15 versus Atlantic Selects. This will be the first game in 867 days since their last match in Toronto. Obviously, the drop goal game. And tickets are on sale now for as little as $10 per person. Um, but there is a caveat. We did say it was an Arrows 15. Many players won't be available due to international duty. This will be the weekend after the um, America's 2 playoff. 
between Canada and Chile. So, with the big names missing, Derek, who would you like to see play for the Arrows 15? Um, anybody, anybody. That's uh, kind of a joke answer, but yeah, it's uh, it's exciting to uh, get some Arrows rugby back in Toronto. Um, why does 867 days sound so much longer than two years? Oh, because COVID made time. <laughs> yeah, but just a the number 867. Just I don't know. Maybe it's that it because it sounds it sounds so much longer than what two years is. Well, it is technically longer than two years. So yeah, it's like I guess yeah, two and a half years. I guess really. And yes. either way, back to your, your original question. I mean, I think you know, I think a game like this is a good chance for Mark Winokur and the staff to just kind of like evaluate talent, right? You have because mm-hmm. a big part of what I believe what they said in their the press release was that it's going to be a mix of some of the guys that are on the senior roster and academy guys, right? So I think you got to be thinking one if you're like an academy guy, this is a chance to maybe you know put your hand up, make a good impression, and potentially maybe you know kind of put yourself into maybe consideration of moving up to the big club uh, by, before the season starts. And I think I think for other guys too, like it's. You know, some there's a lot of guys that maybe didn't get that much playing time during the 2021 season for what for a variety of reasons, whether it's selection or injury. Um, I'm looking at like kind of just looking at it. It's like if if a guy like uh, Marcello Wainwright is healthy, I'd love to see him play. Um, if he's recovered from his injury and is good to go, um, I think that would be the type of guy I would love to see play. I'd love to see a little bit more of a uh, Kobe Faust made a couple appearances at the end of the year. I think yep. that would be great. Um, you know, you have a couple guys too, like uh, Mark Antoine Ouellet, Chris Atkinson, um, Alexander John Lynn, that you know, again, they kind of arrived late in the season. Um, didn't always necessarily get into a whole lot of games, but if you're on the squad, I think this is a good chance to kind of make an impression, especially when you have like, especially for like some of those front row guys, knowing that like you know, Cole Keith Quatrin, they're all going to be obviously likely not there. Um, you know, even uh, you know, there's you know, kind of go down like the roster and stuff too. It's like guys like uh, I mean, again, if if available, if they're healthy again and stuff, right? Like maybe a guy like Jamie McKenzie, that might be cool to see him play again. Um, if he's a, if he's able to, of course. Um, you if know, not, he'll be doing the uh, commentary for TSN. Yeah, so. well, that's the thing, right? So it's like if you're kind of looking at um, actually, that's a good point. I didn't even think of that. Um, but yeah, he could. You know what? Give him a have him play. But mic them up, because that well, that's a good that compromise. Yeah, See, yeah, okay. that could be fun. Give them okay. mic, yeah, mic up a bunch of guys. That could be fun for um for the game. But uh, actually, I was just now that I'm kind of thinking about it, right? If you kind of look at the the arrows, the actual arrows roster, right? You're probably gonna have Brody and Higgins away at the internet mm-hmm. uh, with the international yeah. team, which yeah. I mean will probably leave you with Andrew Ferguson and you know maybe an academy guy, get an academy guy in there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some little bit of scrum half and stuff too. Same with like, um, depending on where in the world guys like Sam Malcolm actually are at the moment, right? That might, you know, you might be able to. Um, oh my gosh, I totally now that I've said a fly half, Logan Martin, Feek, the draft picks, Bryce Ward. Oh uh, yes, absolutely. Um, Samuel Mace, get those guys in. Now that I've, yeah. yeah, now that I've, I said fly half, and now I'm like, oh yeah, right. There's uh, all these guys that we, you know, draft because it'd be like the first time I'm sure. 
you know, it's it's kind of great in the past month to see like all the other rugby um, in Ontario opening back up, right? So like Mace has been playing for like the GGs um, who look like they're off to a pretty good start on their campaign. So, you know, it's it's nice to see that, you know, guys are being able to get back on the pitch. Obviously, Rugby Ontario um, has started back up. They're doing like a Marshall fall season, which is great, which is great to see. It's just, I mean, how much fun would that have been to just, you know, be able to play the first game back after two years, right? Just for, uh, you know, not even for the high performance guys, but for those guys that just want to play like, you know, uh, you know, play on like the third team and have some fun, right? Like, it's nice to see that, you know, clubs are being able to start back up and are being able to play again. Um, but yeah, so like, I think, I think if as an Aeros fan, I'd be like, now that I'm kind of thinking about it, the most intriguing guys are definitely probably the draft picks. Yeah. I would love to see all of them play. And then, yeah, like a couple guys that, you know, got maybe got hurt and stuff like it would be nice to see them just just to be able to get some game time. I think, right. If guys that have, you know, if they, you know, to re- recovering from injuries and stuff, if guys are able to play, of course, coming off an injury, right. Like that's, that's obviously going to be up to the team's judgment on whether that's beneficial for them to play now or just, you know, keep resting until the season starts. But honestly, like anybody too, man. And then like, It'd be nice to see some of the next guys up too. Like it'd be cool to, you know, Mitch Richardson obviously got a little bit, a lot more playing time, but you know, with the fact that again, the international roster, Lesage and Jones won't be there. So that's, you know, another chance you can kind of get some new centers in there. Richardson can be one of them again, bring up an Academy guy. However, that, you know, system ends up shaking out. You can try some new combinations, check out some of the new players and stuff. Maybe, maybe don't even go with a 23, maybe kind of go with one of those, like, you know, like the bigger, boosted uh, benches, yeah. sorry, yeah, like a bigger squad or something. Um, similarly to like you know the the Atlantic selects. I mean, you know, if you if there's some guys out, you know, out on the you know in the Maritimes out there that are, or I guess the Atlantic selects going to include Quebec, so that's not necessarily Maritimes, but yeah. So out- um, about that, the Atlantic selects are poised to feature top regional players from the Maritimes, Newfoundland, the Labrador, and Quebec. So it's not really like Atlantic, more of yeah, the rock. A- anywhere east of yeah, it's, Ontario. Yeah, it kind of sounds like the old, like the rock. Well, well that is actually something that's um, featured in the press release, is that building yeah. off the great blues rock regional rivalry from the days of the CRC. Yeah. We know the Atlantic selects will come to Toronto motivated and hungry to renew friendly hostilities. Um, whilst we're speaking of players, just want to point out the list of players that probably won't be there. Um, so as you mentioned, um, just, just Ross, based on international duty, just based or, on international yeah. duty at oh. the moment. Um, so these are the ones we're, we're I'm going to say, I'd like definitely not going to be there in a playing capacity is, uh, Brody, uh, Mason flesh Higgins, as you mentioned as well, uh, Spencer Jones, Cole Keith, Will Kelly, Ben Lesage, Patrick Parfrey, Andrew Cotron, Tyler Rowland, Lucas Rumble and Siaki Vikilani. Now, there is something that is mentioned in the press release, which I think will be um, interesting to any Arrows fans, is that activities include a pre-match autograph signing by Arrows players. That's why I'm saying not in a playing capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, a live DJ and inflatable fan zone for kids and a very special announcement at halftime. Mm. So, that, so that's why I'm saying get tickets, come along, get the big news before it, well, when it happens. Um, but one thing I've got to mention is 
Um, this is at a completely new ground. It's at York Lions Stadium. Now, if yeah. anyone was a fan of the um, Ontario Arrows before they joined MLR, they played one exhibition game at the venue. This was before um, the renovation works happened. It was, you know, against the Glendale Raptors. They won that game, obviously, because uh, they never lose to Glendale in uh, Toronto. Um, <laughs> but um, York Lions Stadium has... Um, gone under redevelopment. So uh, YLS did used to have an athletics track around it. That has now been removed. Um, the pitch is now certified for both FIFA and World Rugby standards. And the best thing about it is, is that while this stadium is also being used by um, York uh, United for the um, Canadian Premier League, there won't be any clashes. But if you want to see how good of a pitch this looks, just watch any of York United's um, game highlights and you can see that this is a pristine pitch and probably one of the big things that I know a lot of MLR fans have been fussing about. There, are, there won't be any extra lines. There won't be any like American football lines or lacrosse lines on this pitch. These lines are done fresh um, for every game, which means that this will be a pitch with rugby lines on it only. And I think that'll be a very... So, I again, they haven't released anything about this game being on TSN or on the Rugby Network as of this moment. But I would say if you're a fan and you want to get an experience of um, what York Lions Stadium could be, watch any of York United's um, matches or highlights on YouTube and you'll get an experience as well. Um, speaking of which, uh, the there will be a full vaccination requirement upon entry or a proof of a negative COVID-19 test will not be accepted for admittance except for guests with a verified medical exemption. And it is recommended that you review the club's venue health and safety guidelines for further information regarding those kind of measures. I don't believe that's much different than what every other pro sports team is doing at the moment, though. So. That is true, but it's always good to... Yeah. Uh, oh, no, yeah, them. definitely, yeah, because it's... You know, hopefully people don't show up with the, uh, you know, thinking otherwise. Um, yeah, looking at, I, I'm not, honestly, I'm excited about York Lions Stadium. Um, it looks amazing. Oh, it is. Um, yeah. As you said, Stu, like, even just like w- looking at, I'm not a huge soccer fan, so I'm not going to sit here and say I watched a York United game because um, I haven't. But, <laughs> um, you know, looking at some of the pictures of the games, though, the stadium does look unreal. Looking at like the pitch looks great. The yeah. seats look great. Um, actual prop like proper chairs and stuff in the seat mm-hmm. in the stadium, though. That's always nice. Um, you know, like uh, I'm assuming like the amenities and stuff in it are like it's brand new, state of the art professional soccer team built it. Like it's gonna yeah, be, it's a it's a very nice stadium. Yeah. From what from what I've gathered is that um, obviously having a professional soccer team use the venue, it has to be to a certain standard. So. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, the CP, the CPL is kind of fascinating to me in that it's it is still relatively new, but you know, it seems to be uh, taken off quite a bit. We're getting, I think the, that's kind of like the interesting thing in Canada is we're kind of starting to get like, I mean, the CFL for the longest time was like the only all Canadian sports league, right? Yeah. Where it was like for the long, with the exception of a couple weird years in the nineties where they tried to expand to the United States and then the like the Baltimore Stallions won the Grey Cup that one year and it's really weird to see Baltimore written on the Grey Cup but with the exception of that bizarre <laughs> time 
Yeah. Um, it's the only reason that I know the city of Shreveport exists too, is because they had a CFL team. <laughs> um, do, do, do you know where Shreveport is? Uh, Not a clue. Yeah, me neither. I just remember Shreveport, <laughs> the city somewhere in the uh, southern United States. Um, but it's so like that's the kind of been the only thing. But now it's like yeah, like the CPL kind of started, and you know, there's the uh, Canadian Elite Basketball League is a thing that's now mm-hmm. started up too. So it's kind of interesting to see some of the all Canadian pro sport leagues kind of popping up, but. You know, the interesting thing with having a uh, like a, another soccer league, I guess, might be, you know, some stadium potential kind of opens up. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we've one of those things that we have always kind of talked about is, you know, I think I think people in Canada definitely want a second MLR team in Canada. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, whether or not that happens, who knows whether or not that that's, you know, going to happen soon or going to happen for the the second team doesn't show up for another 30 years, who knows, but maybe, you know, maybe having a few more of these uh, soccer teams building some state of the art stadiums might help, uh, could help a city's case later on. Who knows? What's, do you know what York Lions capacity is? York Lions capacity is about 5,000. Oh, moment. that's a good size. That's and a good, that, that's a good MLR size. I like yeah. that's That's a good size. And that's only one side of the stadium. So obviously if, um, it can get bigger if the CPL picks up and starts getting more fans. And... But yeah, because they have room to. Oh, on the other side, right? So yeah. they'll yeah they'll have room to put in temporary seating at least. But you know, in the long term, maybe more permanent seating. We've yet to see. Well, it's like, also the stadium's not that old, right? Like it was only built. It was built for the Pan Am Games, was it? Yeah, not? so I it's believe, like yeah, less than a decade like six old. Years old, yeah. Yeah, and it's already been renovated. It's already since, been renovated so... six years in. Yeah. yeah. And one of the other good things as well, it is uh, near the Pioneer Village TTC station, which yeah. also has like a bus depot as well. If you're driving in, it's not far from the 400 or the 407 if you're taking the express line. Um, but yeah, this after more than two years, uh, the boys are coming home. It's gonna, it'll be great. It'll be great. Absolutely. But this is the thing. This is not the first rugby game that will take place in Toronto because that honor goes to the reformed Toronto Wolfpack. Yes. So you wanted to bring this up. Um, You went to the game. Um, I did did not go to the game. I still haven't seen the game. So I just have questions for you about this. All right. Um, First, how was the game? The game was it was first of all to go back to Lamport Stadium and just watch any form of rugby was fantastic to watch <laughs> it was um really great um so it was the Canada Cup which was originally supposed to be between Toronto and Ottawa Ottawa fell through and said uh DC Ca- Cavalry um were the opposition instead this was all of those three teams i mentioned by the way are all teams in the new um north american rugby league which is set to start in um 2022 and i've got to say uh pretty rocky start no i'm i was gonna say uh the more things change the more things stay the same when it comes to um the wolf pack because Obviously, this is a completely different Wolfpack team. I think for a lot of these guys, it was their first professional rugby league match they've ever played. Um, but this was an absolutely fantastic. If you've seen the Wolfpack play before, you know, back in 2019, you know, they were putting in like giant scores. And if you were 
to look at this game, it would be the same. The final score, DC 6, Wolfpack 42. So how like how how would you like rate like the quality though knowing that it's like because every time like i haven't seen the game so i'm not putting in like judgment or anything on the game because i haven't seen the game but i'm like i am kind of curious because like looking at some of the names as you said like you know there's some a lot of guys that have maybe you know played rugby union where you know at some of the upper like you know the ontario union clubs maybe haven't mm-hmm. played a league before i saw like dc had a post and it was like at the very least confirming one player to me publicly that uh you know was playing in their first ever rugby league game mm-hmm. like first yeah. ever game amateur or professional so i'm just like i'm curious as like i don't know i always felt like one of the i guess the draws of like the wolf pack playing in like the uk system was that it was you know, even if it was like the third or the second division at the time, and eventually the Super League before that all fell to shambles. Mm-hmm. But it was like the the draw was that it's a really good league, whereas this just kind of seems like it's from scratch. And as yeah, like, it, is is it a like does did it feel like a bunch of guys playing like their first game, or does it like how, how would you rate the quality? I, I want to like lead you with a question that maybe says I'm sounding negative, but uh, so I would say it was a it's a very enjoyable game. In that, you know, especially for the home team, it was high scoring. Um, but that also may give you like an idea of how the defense was. I, I would say if I was to compare it to anything, I compare it to the first season of MLR. You know, as in oh, like, you, you know that mistakes are going to be made. You know that there's going to be like knock-ons. There's going to be errors. There's going to be a lot of things that, you know, you wouldn't really expect to find in, say, like the NRL, for example, or Super League, for example. But well, I, w- I wasn't expecting it to be anywhere near that good. But that's the thing. But that's the thing. It's a. It was just enjoyable, and I think especially for anyone who was a fan of the Wolf Pack who had to endure the um, Super League fiasco and as things went like from bad to worse because of COVID and. And the other measures um, as well. Yeah, I was going to say, and a plenty of other reasons why that went. So. Yeah, I that's the thing. I'm not saying that um, COVID was the sole reason, but it sure as hell was a catalyst. Um, but no, um, one thing that should be mentioned is that the Wolfpack have a partnership, like the Toronto Arrows, with Iroquois Roots Rugby, and so when the uh, came on for the anthems. Um, before the Canadian anthem or even before the US anthem, uh, the guy in the Tannoy announced that, you know, Toronto is built on the land of the people of the Mississaugas of the Credits. And then they played the anthem of, I'm going to say one of the First Nations. I cannot remember which one it is. Um, Megan or Melanie, can you please uh, correct me in the comments below? Um but that was a really nice touch as well. And because of a shipping issue, the Wolfpack were actually playing in um, Iroquois Root Rugby kit. So they were in a black and purple, which was... That's kind of cool. Which was really cool. Um, they did have to tape up part of their arm, which had the Toronto Arrows logo. But... Uh, <laughs> oh, did they? Yeah. But ultimately, oh, it was... Really it was a really... In- I just... You- could it was enjoying yeah i could tell oh that's funny but i mean like if if you were new to a rugby league you wouldn't know or you could just say it's like oh it's an old sponsor so we can't show it anymore kind that's of kind thing. of that's kind of awkward 
That's really awkward. Um, I think one of the um, best moments of the night was uh, number five, Stephen Adu, um, collected the kickoff and then ran 90 meters to score a try. Nice. Now it was. Um, the game is available on YouTube if you do some digging for it. Um, like I and said, yeah, I like I said, you can like skip through it. There are certain parts that need... Um, you know, scrums and all that stuff. Uh, the refereeing, I'd say, was a bit um, iffy. But then again, I'm also not a big enough fan of rugby league to understand all the rules. So take it. Anyway, we've been focused on Ontario for too long. We need to fly out west. We need to talk about the big happenings going on in BC. Because this weekend was the first of the two rounds of the HSBC um, World 7 Series. Of only two rounds, both of which will be in Canada, and <laughs> this was the Vancouver Sevens. So we have the result. Um, first place was South Africa or the Blitzbok. Um, second place was Kenya. Third was GB, and Canada was sixth um, in the women's competition. GB won the women's fast four. Um, some amazing performances. Um, if you go onto uh, their social media page, you'll see um, Jasmine Joyce doing the greatest try-saving tackle you have ever seen in ensuring that a runaway try didn't happen. But um, no, yeah, I can see that there was a lot of uh, enjoyable things. Now, of course, we have to talk about the elephant in the room in that there are some significant absentees from this edition of the World Sevens series. Um, so the following nations are all absent due to COVID-19. So Argentina, Australia, Fiji, France, Japan, New Zealand, and Samoa. Um, so that's the defending world champions and the defending Olympic champions that aren't available for this competition. And instead, we have teams like uh, Chile, Mexico, and Jamaica. However, my counter is that... You That's play the opponents in front of you. And if I, and if oh. those guys were able to come along, fine. For Jamaica, this is their first um, entry into the World Sevens. And I think we kind of knew how it was going to go. But at the same time, I uh, think game. it was... Yeah. they uh, Well, he scored a try, which was uh, one of the big things of... Uh, and they won a game. They, they beat Chile at the end. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, they yeah. No, they, like, um, they fully won a game. They scored a couple tries. Mexico actually replace both the men's and women's, I believe, in um, the Fast Four as well. So, yeah, again, that was a very last-minute decision caused by France's um, decision not to come based on uh, COVID-19 restrictions. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, as in, like, again, it's one of those kind of things of, like, the more things change, the more things... Oh, the Blitzbock won the entire tournament. <laughs> what year is it? Um, but with a, so I mean, obviously, um, there isn't as much to talk about in a sevens match as say in like a fifteens match. But uh, Derek, um, did you see any standout moments? Any like, well, obviously, you just mentioned one. The uh, fact <laughs> that Jamaica won a game. What did you make of that? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was cool. I mean, I know you're saying like, you know, all these countries that didn't play, as you said, you just got to play the guys in front of you. But I mean, it's honestly. It's cool to see like Jamaica, Chile, Germany, Mexico. Like it's cool to see these countries like, you know, get a chance to play with, you know, alongside teams like Great Britain and 
you know, USA, Canada, Kenya, right? Like Ken- Kenya had a real good showing at this, as you kind of mentioned. Yeah. Um, I'll I be love- talking about one Kenyan player later, but uh, oh, were you? I was gonna say, there's uh, is it uh, Alvin Otunio? Oh, you know me so well. Yeah, because uh, I was gonna bring this up. I was gonna bring <laughs> that up too. That dude's a monster. That was amazing. Oh, um, you, you know one, what? The one try that he scored against Spain, where he just got the ball flat-footed and just threw a guy across the try line and then scored. Oh yeah, was amazing. That now was that, amazing. That is probably one of the most humbling things for that Spanish player in their life. Oh, uh, sorry, did I say yeah? It's, no, yeah, Spain. Yeah, yeah. So it was like, man, that's. Like I was like, oh, dude, that's I feel bad. Like I feel bad for you. Like I like I just, it, I like I felt embarrassed watching that happen. Just I don't know. He didn't throw me, but yeah, like but, just, but you could feel it, couldn't? Yeah, I was gonna say, oh man, like you want to cheer, but then you're also like, dude, like that that guy might have like kids that watch this game yeah. or something, and just oh, that was that was just that was mean. That was a mean try. Uh, I loved it. I you know I think um there were some really good tries in this in this tournament. There's that uh pretty sweet like the little try highlight reel that it, um the sevens uh series put on their social media um that U- usa scored an unreal team try against germany they got the ball you know maybe five meters out from their own line and it was just like offloads kicks you know just it was all the way to the other end i think uh i think it was schroeder that eventually finished it off which was like it was it was awesome um, Jack Carson scored an unreal try against the United States for Canada. Um, Phil Berna with a huge line break, some really nice fend night. Like it's, you know, and that, that gave Canada the lead in the fifth place game just before halftime. It's cool just to kind of hear like the eruption of the crowd and stuff again. Um, and I, I think one of those things like sports kind of coming back, especially like in Canada with rugby recently is just, man, like how much you miss just like crowds. And yeah. uh, when, when, whenever Canada scored and you could kind of hear like the try coming in or like the sound that it, the, the stadium made when Canada was like running toward a try, it was amazing. I loved it. Um, I thought too, from like the men's, I thought uh, Berna and Thiel did a great job captaining the team. They were both two of the best players on the squad and they, you know, kind of looked like they definitely took that lead by example, you know, sort of approach to it. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah. they have a podcast, so they're kind of part of the podcasting brethren. So, I mean, <laughs> got to give them a shout out. Um, and, you know, I thought uh, Josiah Mora um, from the Canadian men's team, I thought he was unreal throughout the entire tournament. He had some great tries, um, really good on defense too. work rate kind of, he was all over the pitch throughout a lot of the, a lot of the matches, man. And, and uh, you know, he, he seemed like one of those guys that kind of just missed that Olympic team. But, you know, as we've spent the past like three episodes talking about how every single player on the Canadian yeah. Sevens team, Harry Jones, did we mention Harry Jones last week or did he retire after? I, th- I think I, he retired between us recording and releasing. Us, so. Yeah, something but, like yeah. that. But yeah, it's like, it, it feels like, you know, we've had to go like four or five like episodes in a row announcing that or talking about a Sevens player that's retired now. So um, you know, there's going to be a lot of opportunity, I think, opening up. And I mean, Mora being one of those guys that looks like, you know, looks like he was close to, you know, making that Olympic squad, but then, you know, ultimately didn't or whatever. But like seeing him in this tournament, it's like, I think that's like, you know, going to be going to be one of the, uh, like, you know, the players of the future for the Canadian Sevens program. I liked, uh, liked watching his game. I liked uh, what he brings to the table. So I'm kind of excited to see how uh, he develops going forward. Yeah, well, um one thing I like, and it happened in the same game when it was Canada versus Germany, is um, Phil 
burner finding the space to score the first try of the game like the you think like the ball's going to go into touch you think it's going to be a ball to um so yeah chip through the line it looks like germany's just gonna be able to hold out but then uh phil burner snipes in gets the ball grounds it and you know first first try in home soil so well first try in home soil of the tournament so that's gotta feel good and then Obviously, it comes to the end of the match. Canada have it in the bag. It's 24-5. The clock's gone red, but Germany aren't done. They want to get in for this last try. And then John Dorr from Germany tries to do like the noble thing, um, give it to his friend to run in. But unfortunately for him, Anton Nagogo is in the way, grabs the ball, pins it down. And I feel really bad for... John, but at the same time, why are you throwing it when you're in the try zone? Uh, and yeah, I don't know. Tough. Any never a good, not usually a good decision. No, well, sometimes really it decision. sometimes it looks cool though. It if does it look works, cool, but if it works. It could look cool, but you know what's cooler? Scoring a try. Scoring the try, yeah. Uh, that's what I said. It, if it works, yeah, it's kind of like that. Uh, I almost it's almost kind of like the um, throwing the ball off the backboard dunk in basketball. Yeah, probably unnecessary. But if you if you get it, it look it's it looks cool. Okay, well that uh, was the Vancouver Sevens. Uh, this coming Saturday will be the Edmonton Sevens, and you know whoever it, wins there will is be it the, all the same countries. All the same countries. All the same countries. Yeah. All the same countries. Well, um, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And that will conclude the 2021 World Seven Series. So again, a big asterisk only having like two locations, but then the next um, t- the next uh, seventh event will then form part of the 21-22 seventh program. And there's hope in that next year we can get the full seventh you know event. What, like, it, it is kind of weird. And I mean, obviously it is going to be the asterisk. I'm happy they're just playing something. Oh God, like, yeah. that's got it. Yeah, like that's great for just like the players. Like, I mean, we even did that. Like, I mean, the, the AFL club that I'm a part of, and if like we were just like, there's not enough time to really do a full season. So we we're just like, yeah, let's just play some games for. Yeah, exactly. We're not we didn't we're like if Ontario is not putting like the trophy on the line or anything, especially yeah. since the champions are currently in Ottawa. So it's yeah. like if they were like, I think it's that's a little logistically tough at the moment. Yeah. But like and it was just like. But even at that, though, it was just like we played like we've played four games and it's like, yeah, it's, it's just fun to be able to play, like even if yeah. it's not necessarily for a whole lot, which is also why like one, it's great to see like Canada, the United States, South Africa, all the big some of those big countries, you know, playing at this. But it's also like that's partly why it's fun to see like Jamaica and Chile. Yeah, exactly. Right? Because you don't necessarily get that chance. And I mean, when it gets to the actual to the, you know, next season, Jamaica, Chile, they might not have that opportunity to play some of these games. Exactly, come, yeah. right? So that's great to see. And it's like it's good to see, like, all the players across the board kind of, you know, getting their feet wet and being able to mm-hmm. play games again. Yeah. Um, they had, uh, I guess, one of those stories that we didn't mention on well, USA Rugby. They had, uh, you know, David Still, who's, you know, part of that Colorado crossover program, signed with the Gilgronies earlier this year, too. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's. I guess, you know, he got onto a USA national team in like, what, seven months? Yeah, that was something that was picked up on the Yeah, surface. like, I mean, hey, man, we were, I think we were critical of the uh, the program a little bit on the, the podcast when we first started, or at least I was. And I mean, hmm. hey, I guess uh, you got you got a guy on the sevens team within seven months. So, yeah, so, I mean, something, yeah, something's working. 
Speaking of socials, something I just realized is that um, a lot of like the Canada highlights from the Sevens were um, then uh, put out by CBC Olympics. So if there's any uh, fans that got into Sevens through like the Tokyo Games, they would be able to like continue finding it in like oh, the same location. Yeah, like, um, so I think that's I think that's great um, branding, great for the outreach of the sport in. Oh, hundred uh, percent. Canada. Agree. If you go to like a CBC Sports uh, .ca, the CBC Sports app, and yeah. I think CBC Gem, um, which, in all honesty, probably the most underrated streaming service ever. Um, yeah. But like all the all the Canada games are like chopped up on their own. So all the Canada games are broken down into like twenty minute videos or however long it took to play the game. Um, but then you can still watch like the full tournament like yeah. on their on-demand thing as of right now i'm not sure how long that's gonna be up for who knows yeah. but like i think i feel like cbc sometimes i mean like obviously you know that canada game we had that discussion about premier sports a couple episodes back mm-hmm. and you know who still no announcement about where the, these games against chile are gonna um be shown um in two weeks time here but it's like i feel like one of the things like we never mentioned was CBC, which I feel like is like, again, I have without having any business thing, but I feel like it's something that's kind of often overlooked and sevens being an Olympic sport, it kind of falls under CBC's dirt jurisdiction. Right. So mm. um, it's nice to see like a lot of the, the exposure ending up on CBC and a lot of mm-hmm. the, the full time, you know, the highlights and stuff. I think they chopped up the two gold medal games into small 20 minute ones. Yeah. Too. So it's like, it's, it's nice. You can quickly go through, just watch all the candy games. If you, if that's all you want to see, or you can, you know, watch, just watch the gold medal, whatever you want to do. There's some, I mean, if you, if you need something to watch during this week and you know, you're done crushing that Danbury trashers documentary, you can go throw <laughs> on some sevens. Okay. Well, we're going to be staying in uh, British Columbia because, um, a month or so ago, we were talking about the uh, Curry Cup, which would be a semi-pro competition organized by Mr. Curry Hitchborn, uh, one of the guests that have been on the show. When I wasn't here, but it is what it is. Um, so it now has a official title. I mean, I was going to go with Curry Cup, but apparently South Africa wasn't okay with that. Hey, they spell it differently. I know, I, I know. That after it was spelled differently, maybe they could have got away with it. Maybe they didn't want to name it after a coach of one team. Yeah, I suppose that is fair. Anyway, the new Coastal Cup is to begin this Saturday, September the 25th. There are seven teams involved. They are the Vancouver Island Crimson Tide, the Vancouver Wave, Van East Rugby, the Pacific Pride, the UBC Thunderbirds, the UVic Vikes, and the TW Spartans. It will be a round-robin format, so each team will play the other six once, and it will be a table format with first place winning the cup. Um, at the same time, you'll notice I mentioned that three uh, university teams, they will be able to um, receive twice weekly high-level training sessions with the regional teams. And for the uni teams, the competition will also serve as a qualification tournament for the Canadian University Championship with the top two university teams earning a spot in the national championship in the fall. Well, Curry mentioned it, we've brought it up later, and now it's actually happening. Derek, how important is a competition like this for bringing players into the professional environment and you know bridging the gap between uh, the amateur game and MLR or international level? 
Yeah, I think it's incredibly important. I mean, I liked, I liked what Curry had to say when he was talking about it, when he was on our show. And I, I think, see, the, the thing is, it's like, I think what you kind of said there is sort of the key thing, right? We're um, the bridging the gap. And I, I think there's, there's a lot of, it might not necessarily have happened yet, but I think if you kind of look across the realm of most pro sports and stuff, right? Like hockey, baseball, basketball, right? They got a little bit of a minor league system mixed in there too, right? And it's, I think it it might not be like, maybe it's not there right now. Cause obviously, you know, the vast majority of players in major league rugby are, you know, getting signed out of playing club level or, you know, that high performance kind of club programs, you know, or straight out of college and whatnot. But it's like, I, I do think it'll come a time where it's like, you're really, you really are going to need something for like the guys that, you know, maybe have played a little college rugby, but maybe aren't quite good enough to play MLR. And it's like, those guys need somewhere to go to. It's like the guys that, you know, just quite aren't at the MLR level need somewhere to play in order to help them get to that MLR level. And, you know, I think, I think something like this, if you can, take all the the guys that have those dreams and aspirations of playing high performance rugby, put them into an environment with a bunch of other people that want to play high performance rugby elite level. Um, I think it could be incredibly beneficial to them. I like that it doesn't conflict with like the rest of the actual BC season. So it's like, you know what I mean? Like it's a good time frame. It's a good window to do it in. Um, it's nice to, you know, include like the Pacific pride and like the mm-hmm. schools in it as well. And, you know, because that was another thing that we were talking about earlier was, you know, with obviously now Canadians are included in the MLR draft, which is brilliant. But also the fact that, you know, if these guys are always going to be draft eligible, man, like that's going to be like people are going to want to watch and compare the level that these guys are playing at. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you can kind of start, you know, did they say anything about streaming games? I haven't been able to find anything. What do you do? You have anything on that? So- I have a press release done from uh, Thunderbirds Rugby, and there doesn't seem to be anything announced yet. I know that I've seen on Twitter that um, Curry Hitchborn has said they've been trying to get something sorted. It may be a just case of streaming the games through Facebook or YouTube. I don't know that's if that's all you need. Well, I'm yeah. not expecting a broadcast deal. Oh, absolutely <laughs> not. But yeah. well, I think that's what they Actually, were could trying you imagine to that? get. This this is on TSN, the Canada Canon national team can't be. Do you <laughs> imagine that scenario? Well, and um, I mean, hey, rugby's rugby. I'm not gonna be yeah. I'm not gonna be uh, turning my nose up if uh, the mm. uh, coastal cup is on up, TSN. This ends up on Sportsnet, makes TSN and rugby can upset. <laughs> Probably. Um so a bit more information about the competition. Um uh, Eddie Evans, Canadian rugby legend, will be the commissioner. Um, Evans has 50 caps with the Canadian 15 side. He's played in three World Cups and has played 11 seasons of pro rugby, including 10 in Japan. Uh, since retiring and before becoming commissioner, um, he's worked on a number of Canadian-based companies. He's also the founder and owner of Extreme Sports Gear. Um, and he said the Coastal Cup will provide BC-based players with a competitive, well-organized, structured competition that will bring together hard-working and like-minded rugby-focused players. The bottom line is we want to get our BC players playing more rugby, especially at the higher levels. It is important for the development of rugby in our province as well as our country. 
Historically and traditionally, BC has been the hotbed of Canadian rugby, and we need to get back to that dominance. And, you know, is in like, obviously being Johnny Foreigner, the uh, most knowledge I have about uh, Canadian rugby is that if you want to play rugby, the at, the attitude has always been you need to be in BC, you need to be in Vancouver, you need to be in Victoria, you need to go to one of these schools. I mean, even when I think that, that's to, definitely changed in recent years, but it has changed in recent. Uh, but once, obviously, once upon the, it, I think the old guard would have said I was just, all I, that. Yeah, that's definitely. I think. Um, I think is it the ninety five? No, I think the the ninety one. The 91 World Cup team that went to the quarterfinal and lost to New Zealand in a time where that happened. Yeah. Um, but I think there, I think Al Sharon was the only guy not from BC on that roster. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is, it's kind of an interesting stat to kind of look at. And, but like, it is nice to see that it's not just one province dominating the, anymore mm-hmm. um, yeah. obviously ontario has uh you know pulled ahead and the blues were the dominant the ontario blues were the dominant team in the crc for quite yeah. some time too right so it kind of has shifted um that being said it's cool to see this this competition you know kind of you know maybe can kind of strike a fire back under bc rugby a little bit and um i do hope they find a way to stream it or something i want to watch I, i'm curious to watch them like i definitely yeah. want to watch I definitely uh, even watch highlights them. i'm just fine with that well, like, and when I say stream to, like, I don't even necessarily, like, even if it's not live, but just, like, high performance, right? Yeah. You're filming these. Yeah. It's high performance. Well, yeah, yeah, you You're have filming to, them. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's high performance. You're filming them um, for, like, game film purposes and coaching and stuff. You're filming them. Just put the, put the, uh, put the games on YouTube or something. Like, you Okay. Right. Um, All right, Derek. Know, kind of my take on that. All right, Derek. I have a quick question for you, and this is based only on names. Which team are you backing? Only based on names. Yeah. So basically, which team has the best name? So, yeah, I'm basically telling you to pick a team now that you will be backing to lift the be the inaugural Coastal Cup winners. Who do you think it's going to be? Oh man. Uh I mean, I guess like the Thunderbirds have always kind of, but but like just based on the name, like I'm just picking coolest name. Well, based on the as in based on as minimal information as yeah, I'm not allowing you, you know to look what? at I, any I, of the I, rosters. I'm not allowing you to look at any of the coaches. You just got to pick a team. Who are you going to go with? Oh man, wow, that's what what a weird. Okay, what a weird question. Um, you know what? Actually, kind of looking at this, there's some great team names in this league. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Vancouver Island Crimson Tide, that's cool. Vancouver Wave is also cool, but not as cool as Crimson Tide, so let's eliminate them. Fan East Rugby, not as cool as Crimson Tide. Pacific Pride, um, you'd hope that they win a couple of games because they're a national team development program. Thunderbirds, Vikes, and Spartans are all really cool names. Um, Spartans got 300, so, I mean, they already have something. Um, I don't know. Th- Thunderbird, uh, Crimson Tide. I think Crimson Tide's the coolest name on here, so... If you just want to have me that, I feel like the Thunderbirds are probably the team that might be favored to win this, though. Mm. But it's interesting. Me cool, coolest name. I think I'm going Crimson Tide, especially since it's Vancouver Island Crimson Tide. It just sounds cool. Yes. So what I was meaning is in like without going in too deep into any of like the teams, is like who would you pick? Just oh, on Thunderbirds. Like, Thunderbirds. Yeah. Say that. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, well, going in too deeply, yeah, Thunderbirds. Yeah, I mean, like that's the thing, as in, because um, I'm kind of talking, because I agree with you, obviously, like Thunderbirds, um, historic uh, rugby program. Obviously, Sorry, I thought you meant like which team has like the best name. Uh, that, that was my fault. I should have been more uh, <laughs> thorough in what. This is why we need Dan back, the more clear <laughs> wording on questions. Anyway. But anyways, obviously led by Curry Hitchborn as well. You know, a man who even from just listening on the podcast definitely knows um, and passionate about rugby. That's the biggest reason why I'm picking the Thunderbirds. Those we've had more Thunderbirds on the podcast than anybody else from these teams. That it, um, I, and just to be different, and so it's not just like we're both winners or both losers. <laughs> um, I'm gonna. I'm going to put my faith in the youngsters. I'm going to go with the Pacific pride. Oh, um, right. Obviously, because not only do they have the uh, professional backing, they also may have a for- former um, Thunderbirds players. I mean, obviously, they've had players like Josh Thiel, Brock Webster, uh, Siaki Vikilani, Michael Smith, who... Um, they should have good players to the national team development. Program. Exactly, they should. That's <laughs> why I'm saying they should win. Um <laughs> But then yeah, again, I was gonna say, yeah, it's almost, almost you might feel bad if they don't, to be honest. Yeah, and and as well as that, as in like I think that like because if you say, oh, it's just gonna be three university sides and four like semi-pro sides, I think it would be between the four semi-pro, but obviously the inclusion oh. of those high performance training, I think will pay dividends and keep everyone on like evil foot evil even footing <laughs> evil footing also evil i, oh, I don't know yeah. i don't know if anyone Do of these have... coaches have a twirling mustache or anything have... i even? tried to find it were you more successful do they have like i know like vancouver or van east rugby's instagram account has been pretty active with kind of putting the guys that they have signed like have you i mean ubc the vic uh uvic and twu kind of like that's just the the school team or whatever but like have you seen rosters for like the the tide wave, like uh, not really. I do have like a bit of information. So, for example, um, the wave will be captained by Neil Courtney, who is a prop for Capilano Rugby Club and a former mm-hmm. member of the Thunderbirds. Um, <laughs> the Thunderbirds just feed all the other teams, anyways. The Crimson Tide will be joined by Sean White, um, but I believe that's only in like the coaching side, not on mm-hmm. uh, the player side. Um, you know what? We're saying this. By the time this episode gets released, I've released the entire rosters of each team. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I, you know, yeah, regardless of who wins and stuff, like I'm excited for it. I hope it does well. And like we're saying, we hope that there's going to be some way that us fans that are not in uh, British Columbia, never mind Vancouver or Vancouver Island, uh, will yeah. be able to watch this. All right, we're going to wrap it up with a little bit of quickfire MLR news. So, um, LA fans are certainly very happy this week. Obviously, um, Adam Ashley Cooper um, retired from playing professional rugby, but he is now joining LA again, this time in a coaching role. He is to become the senior assistant coach. Um, he will be underneath uh, Stephen Hoyles, who was the assistant coach this season, yeah. who has himself been promoted. Um, and obviously, I guess, playing like, coaching the guys you played again played with even um or played against if you're in a competition for certain roles but uh yeah it'll continue as a mentor the club's emerging breed of american backs as well um and ashley cooper had this today this is a really exciting opportunity at the guilty knees to implement some of the ideas and tricks i've stored in my rugby notebook over a long career definitely 
a long career. Everything has aligned last season with the Giltinis. Really was the most enjoyable 12 months of my rugby career in terms of the team culture we built and the team we had together as a players coming on all over the world. I know Holsley and the general manager, Adam Freya, are working really, really hard to sustain that standard, keeping the really competitive environment of hard work and fun that made the Giltinis click really appeals to me too. So, yeah, obviously I've, I've um, made allusions to like having the head coach um, change and some of the guys from Gordon um, who came over with him may not be there next year. Nothing has been um, announced as of yet. Although, again, knowing our luck, it'll be announced as soon as we finish <laughs> recording. Um, but, you know, he's um, uh, played 121 tests, four World Cups, uh, won trophies for Australia, Japan, and now in the USA as well. Um, and he calls it a transition rather than a retirement because we all know rugby players never really retire, which I think is fair. Fear? Yeah. Fun. I keep saying fear for some reason. Fear and evil just randomly slipping uh, slipping out of your mouth here, man. Yeah, uh, um, I think this is super cool. That, yeah, uh, absolutely. Actually, yeah, like it's cool that you know not only that he played, but it's like you know you love. I think you love to see some of those big name guys making like the multi year commitments, even if yeah. it is as a coach. I mean, as a coach, is probably just as good from when it's you know adam ashley cooper right yeah even better because you're not getting hit every uh saturday oh i mean yeah for you for him personally yeah yeah, it might be nice yeah but it's like it's cool to see you know guys like rob shaw that signed multi-year deals and stuff right like you know some of the the big name players from around the world that are coming over here you know are you know a lot of them do seem like they are interested in sticking around long term right instead of you know, kind of being like one and done, just, yeah. you know, sort of, you know, kind of like a couple of guys I feel like have kind of done that. But it's like, I love seeing, you know, Adam Ashley Cooper, Rob Shaw guys, and like a guy like Ben Foden, I think is like the perfect example too. like someone that's, you know, stuck around for, uh, you know, for the long haul or, you know, is interested, yeah. genuinely seems interested in helping grow the game in North America. So it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited that, uh, that he's sticking around with the team and, you know, We'll see how he does as a coach. Might be a little bit different for him. Who knows? There is something interesting in the last line of the press release. Um, So we're saying Ashley Cooper, um, his coaching will come to the fore when the whole squad gathers in November. So if we say like the whole squad is going to be there in November, does that mean the whole squad will be announced in November? And is this just LA or will this be for the entire MLR team? Which gives me the indication that um, next season will the season will start in like january or february and hopefully be concluded in full by the time of the uh summer internationals i mean speculating based on that yeah i think the um like i think that's what the league wants i think the league wants the the full season in all honesty like you know it, it had to be done this year but like i don't think if you're like the marketing just from a business standpoint marketing thing I don't think you want your best players missing at the most important part of the season. Yeah, that's it. Right? Like just from, you know, I mean, it, it maybe it doesn't hurt competitively as much, or, I mean, mm. you know, depending on the rosters, it hurts some teams more than others, but you know, I, I don't think, you know, 
I don't think you want your best guys missing for like some of like the biggest games of the season. Right. So yeah, it's, it, I think you want to get that done. And I think, as you said, as we've kind of said, it's like, I think the only, the only reason that it was this late is because they COVID right. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's going to be, and I think it's also, well, yeah. they didn't know if there would but, be tests yeah. in the summer. So. And I mean, November, November, December has been a time where teams have started training camps. That is past, true. Right. So um, you probably, you probably want to, you, want to get on that right you do a, do a little bit of camp take a little bit of a break before christmas come back uh and then you know you're in full high gear until the uh, the season starts right so yeah um you know hopefully that's kind of a timeline that we're kind of looking at but okay well from the new boys of 2021 to the new boys of 2022 we have the announcement from dallas jackals of two signings so far uh the first is chris pennell a fullback who has played with Worcester Warriors since his debut in 2007. So this is a legend of the Premiership. He represented England in the under-19s, and yeah, he's just been a stalwart for Mm -hmm. um, six ways. Um, He has made over 200 appearances. I'm just trying to get the exact number, (laughs) but... uh, yeah, over 250 appearances, um, which he made in February 2021. He is um, he scored his 400th point and is the all-time point scorer for the Warriors as well. And you know he's and obviously when you're there that long, you get named uh, captain. He's been vice captain as well. Um, he's been rewarded as the uh, Premiership Player of the Season for 2013-14. Um, he toured with England in New Zealand in 2014 as well. Um, and he's also played against uh, the Crusaders in New Zealand as well, becoming the first type one diabetic to score a try for England. Um, huh. That's a f- fascinating stat. Yeah, so, um, he's also had his testimonial year as a six way stadium as well back in uh, 2018, 2019. Um, and he, so obviously he's now left, um, his home at six ways. And when asked why he pursued MLR panel says, I have an eye on MLR since its launch. It's only a matter of time until the USA becomes a powerhouse in the international game and a strong domestic league will be the supported backbone to years of success on the world stage. The thought of contributing to that in the formative years captivates me. And I truly believe there are some incredible times ahead for the game, especially for the Jackals and rugby in Dallas. So this seems to be um, the same line of thinking as uh, Ben Foden as well, is like you want to be one of the guys that's there at the start who can help formulate this new league coming up. And, you know, he's absolutely right. Obviously having um, what will be 12 teams in the United States by the time he starts playing for the Jackals means that there's more Americans playing, going to improve them. It's going to therefore have a knock-on effect for the Eagles as well. Um, from a Canadian perspective, hopefully not too much of a positive knock-on, but uh, you know, we'll take what we can get. Um, but he's not the only signing that's been announced. Uh, also announced has been Charlie McKill um, comes to Dallas as well. Uh, Scottish-born, Australian race is how he's uh, described. 26 years old. Um, he played for Watsonia. He moved to Queensland when he was nine years old. Um, and you know, he's been playing for the. Australian school system as well. He's represented Sunshine Coast and Queensland Coast on the pitch uh, before moving back to the UK. Um, uh, let's see. What he's played in sevens as well. He 
received a call up to the Scotland Seven Squad in 2018, and even won the famous Melrose Sevens with uh, Seven Side Watsonians. Um, before moving back to Australia in 2019 to play for the Waratah Rats. And that is where he has been for the time. So, you know, a, he's competed in the Shooter Shield, Semi Pro League out of Sydney, Australia. Um, so, experienced international player. This is what uh, the Jackal GM Elaine Vazzi said Charlie is a dynamic, high tempo back row who is comfortable on the ball and shows a real hunger off it. He has a skill set and work ethic that has seen him represent Scotland 7th and feature in Samurai 7's international sites. Still only 25 years old, Charlie's passion to raise the tempo of the game and support the growth of it in Dallas was so evident in our conversations. So, you know, we've seen um, some Scottish 7s players come in for um, MLR sides already, and they've had a very positive impact. <clears throat> Dougie 5. Um, so, you know, here's home for Moral Satan. And again, um, LA flair. And by that, I mean Australian flair as well. So, <laughs> yeah, I got, you know, I got nothing to add to this other than Charlie McKill is an all time great name. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, I saw that USA Rugby is now selling sevens jerseys with the players' names on the back. Yeah. Um, which I think is great. Right, gets you, you so you can go uh, pick up a Carlin Isles or a Perry Baker or a Danny Barrett jersey, which I think is awesome. Um, this gentleman here, Mr. McKill, is the reason why MLR teams need to be doing this. Um, yeah. I don't really necessarily want a Jackals jersey, but I would get a jersey that says McKill on the back because I think that's amazing. So, da- Dallas, last names, back of jerseys, do it, sell them though, because I want, I want, I, w- I wouldn't mind it. McKill sounds like one of like the like a joke action hero that in like a simpsons sketch yeah yeah charlie mckill yeah exactly. pacifist yeah has to fight the, that that sh- fake schwarzenegger guy from the simpsons <laughs> uh renier wolfcastle mm-hmm. well you know well you know we're only at the too. no problem we're only at the start of uh silly season as it's known in formula 1 or signing season i believe is the more accurate term we've had nine names for uh, Toronto, we're getting like we've obviously had. Uh, I think it's now four names, no five names. Sorry for the Jackals, and we'll be hoping to see many more in the weeks to come. But I believe we'll uh, call it a night there. Thank you so much for listening or watching. If you'd like to hear any more of our podcasts, you can find them on Spotify or on YouTube at La Rouge Rugby. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Derek, do you have any of your socials you'd like to mention? No, I mean, all the LaRouge Rugby stuff you can find there. Uh, my personal ones, at Set the Jet, it's the same across every single social media platform. So Set the Jet, and it's on anything. It's pretty easy to find me that way. Okay, and you can find me on Twitter, H4RDMAN, so Hardman. Um, or you can follow my rugby uh, Twitter account, which is hard underscore rugby. But anyway, thank you for joining me, Derek, and thank you for listening or watching, and we hope to see you next time.